Welcome to episode 66 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing why context is everything when offering advice, how to improve balance in single leg deadlifts, and the pros and cons of arching your back during the bench press. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What is up, Achievers? Episode 66. We are fresh off the plane from Nashville, Tennessee. We just had a strong first one-day user course. Uh, it was great. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so fun. It was at um, a place called the Southern Squeeze, which I, I love. I love the name, and I love also that they call their people squeezers. <laughs> it was kind of like achievers, but yeah. squeezers. I was like, this is great. It was pretty awesome. Um, uh, I did a one, two, three squeeze for the picture taking, which was funny. Because he's really practicing funny. his dad jokes. <laughs> uh, but it was a really good mix of people, actually. It was um, people of all different um, just background levels with kettlebells. We've had people um, that were pretty much completely new. We had people that were coaches um, and just kind of like everything in between and all different, um, you know, ages and stuff like that. So it was really cool to have um, that sort of group and everyone really gelled really well together, which I thought was great. Yeah, it was a super diverse group. um, But what's cool about the user course is that it still takes you from like step one through all the progressions and even people who have been using kettlebells for a long time seem to really get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when we go and reteach it, we're like, oh, we should use some of these drills on ourselves. Like, yeah. we like, <laughs> even remember things that we're like, oh man, this is a good one. We should use this yeah. one. Um, so it's always good to have a refresher, even if you're somebody who's more experienced. So I think it really helps everyone yeah. um, to attend a course like that. And it was just a ton of fun. We love doing it. Yeah. Um, it was also fun to go check out um, the sort of the Southern Squeeze. Um, it's another gym with a strong community, um, just very positive and welcoming. And um, they helped assist us at the course. And it was great because our coaching styles meshed really well. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, just the feedback that we got was everyone was, um, you know, very knowledgeable and high quality information, but presented in a just a positive manner, which I think helps so much and really sets the stage for the overall atmosphere and environment so that everyone collaborates together um, and meshes together really well because of that. So um, that was fun. Yeah, that was awesome. So we are back on track with the podcast. Um, we're going to start with, so what I said in the intro was why const- context is everything when offering advice. Um, and so Jason's going to just talk a little bit about a question that we got on Instagram and how he... Um, like one about answering it, but also the importance of the context that was put into this question. Yeah. So the question that we got, uh, it was through DM and basically it says, I have a question that I really struggle to do or maintain. Is there a efficient way to develop a workout schedule or routine? For example, is it good slash efficient if I split my workout days such as this Monday's chest, Tuesday's back and etc. Or do I go for a more overall routine? Um, my aim is to just improve my quality of life or more to be like an athlete build, but not much of a bodybuilder or weightlifter. Hope this makes sense. Um, so yeah, so now, so anytime, basically any, anytime anyone asks us questions through DM, we basically ask them like five or six more clarifying questions just to get an understanding of where they're coming from, what their goals are, what their background is, because we can't give the appropriate advice until we actually dig a little bit deeper and figure out what the root cause of the question is and then give our best um, idea of what that answer uh, that they're looking for might be. Yeah. 
Um, and so basically we start off with great question and also love the context at the end so we can give you the best advice that we can. For improving overall quality of life, we recommend three total body strength days a week. If you happen to have more days a week to work out, we'd recommend a low intensity aerobic day like walking or jogging, running, biking, hiking, swimming, or a recreational sport. This will give you a lot of balance, not risk burnout or injury, and has the most chance to be sustainable. And I also said, when you split into body parts, you have to work out five, six days a week to hit all the body parts enough in order to create enough of a stimulus for your body to change. This is great for bodybuilders who have this specific goal, but not necessarily great for someone who just wants to live a healthier life and feel and move better. Um, and so I, I went on in the uh, Instagram story that I posted about this. Uh, I said the most important part of that question was the context of their, of their situation and what their ideal outcome was. We can't possibly figure out what to recommend without first understanding what you want to have happen. And I also said, always be wary of people and accounts that push a certain way without gaining context. They're either assuming what you want to have happen or they're doing so because they have some sort of financial agenda attached to the method that they're pushing. Um, the reason why everything is so confusing is because everyone has different goals, ability levels, backgrounds, body types, and depending on who you work with, like it, basically everything works. It just depends on if it works for you or not, right? right? Um, and that's kind of what I finished um, everything off with. Um, and just the more, most important thing is to always look at things through a critical lens and understand what you want. So finding context is something that we take really seriously because let's say I recommended um, without understanding her goals and her just ability to work out and her times and availabilities and stuff like that. And I'd recommend it to her, okay, you got to work out five days a week and you have to do it for two hours at a time. You got to do body part splits and you got to do X, Y, and Z. If I assume that she was trying to become a bodybuilder or whatever it might be and come to find out later on that she actually only has one to two times a week to work out because she has a stressful job where she travels all the time or maybe she um, is a new parent or something like that, that really sets her up for failure because I didn't take the time to actually go in and delve into the context of her situation. Always be wary of people that push a certain um, agenda or method or approach on you without first figuring out what your situation is uh, first. Yeah, and I think this is why so many people feel like they try to work out and then fail and then quit and then try again and then fail and then quit. And it's this cycle and so many people go through this and then by the time they get to us, oftentimes it achieved, they're like, I've tried feel like I've tried everything yeah. and nothing has worked. And the reason that it hasn't worked is because nobody's taken the time to actually figure out what is going on in their life outside of the gym. We get so caught up as trainers sometime in, sometimes in our little world where fitness kind of is a big part of life. Right. And for most people, they're actually looking for fitness to fit into their life. Mm. And so... Yeah, this is this is huge and it's a really good lesson for coaches and it's also a really good lesson for anybody out there who's thinking about starting something. Like make sure that you do find some find people or a program that does take your lifestyle into into account. Um because it it won't work like you just trying to fit yourself into a program that is meant for somebody whose lifestyle is completely different. It won't work for you. You'll feel like a failure and then 
it it will just be worse in the end. All right. So our next question is from Tara McMullen, who used to be Tara Gentili, but I believe she just got married. So congratulations, <laughs> Tara. Um, so McMullen is now her new name. Um, so she said, question for the pod, if you have time, are there any cues I can use to help maintain balance in a single leg deadlift? I'm practicing and getting better, but I still feel super wobbly. Of course, part of the reason I want to do them is to improve stabilization, but I'd like to not topple over in the meantime. <laughs> uh, so this is a great question. And so I think we think what happens is a lot of times people rush to the single leg deadlift without actually um, progressing toward it with other modified single leg exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, with things like the deadlift, we have a very clear progression of uh, we, we like to start with a hip hinge and then a kettlebell deadlift, then a trap bar deadlift, then a barbell deadlift. And we talk about that a lot. We talk about our progression with the squat. Um, but with single leg exercises, it's actually really important to gradually progress to these more advanced exercises as well. And the single leg deadlift is actually like with weights in your hand is actually a very advanced exercise. Um, so one of the first things we would recommend doing is, is doing a deadlift in a staggered stance, which is one foot is planted firmly on the ground. And the other foot is like a kickstand. So basically your toes, your toes are on the ground, but your heel is lifted up off the floor. Yeah. So let's say you're right, you're working your right side. Your right foot is firmly planted into the ground and your left foot, you're going to be on your toes of that left foot and your toes are going to be in line with your right heel. So right heel in line with the, the left toes. And then from there, you proceed to basically go through a normal deadlift slash hip hinge pattern where you just bend your knee a little bit and then push your hips way back trying to keep your back flat. Yeah. And so this is going to put most of the work on that foot that's flat or on that leg. Um, but you're still going to have that other foot there for balance. So you're trying to unload that leg slightly, but not go fully into a single leg stance. Um, from there, another progression that we really like is using a valve slide or a furniture slider on your one foot. So now you have your left foot planted firmly on the ground and your right toes on a slider. So either a valve slide or a furniture slider. More like a towel on a hardwood floor. Or a towel on a hardwood floor that works too. And then what you're going to do is you're going to hinge your hips back and slide your right leg back behind you. So you let your chest come forward, slide that leg back and hinge as deep as you can with your hips and then push into the floor with your left foot and stand up tall. Um, So it's a little bit different. Like a lot of times people perform lunges this way with the foot on the slide. You don't want to stay upright and bend the back leg. You actually want to allow your torso to tilt forward and slide that back leg straight behind yeah. you. Yeah, just a quick note on just leg positions. So the leg that's sliding back, you want to do your best to keep it locked out and straight, just like you would for a normal single leg deadlift. So you're really reaching that leg back as far as you can, keeping it straight. And the front leg, this is probably the most important part. A lot of people when performing this sliding deadlift exercise, they like to bend that knee forward. We actually want that shin to be pretty vertical and we want your hips to go backwards. So if the knee bends forward, that means that your hips aren't going as backward as they could be and you're placing a little bit more stress in your quads. So we wanna be able to shift our weight back, keep our shin relatively vertical, and that's going to hit your glutes and your hamstrings a little bit more and translate more to a single leg deadlift. Yeah, it's going to replicate the movement pattern of a single leg deadlift better. Yeah. So. Um, and then, yeah, after a few weeks of staggered stance deadlifts, after a few weeks of single leg sliding deadlifts, at that point, basically, basically you can go through that sliding deadlift, but just lift the leg at the end, right? And lean your torso forward a little bit more and then just stand up tall from there. And you should be pretty good through yeah. that progression. Um, and if you're having trouble, just just stay with that, the exercise that you are um, 
at before. So if you're having trouble with this, the sliding deadlift, just do a, f a few more weeks of the staggered stance deadlifts, and that's really cool. Um, one final point is to try to do your single leg exercises um, with shoes off, actually, or a very minimal shoe. Mm. Uh, basically, if you have a very cushioned shoe, let's say you're wearing like a, a big shoe that's like a running like motion control shoe, um, the more cushion that the shoe has, the more just like wobbly you'll be, basically. You want something that's firm, um, really low sole, that basically your foot can really gain a lot of information from the floor. And that basically gives you a lot um, better control because it's sending information to your brain. Your brain then send sign sends signals down uh, to your legs to be able to stabilize a little bit better. But if you're wearing a really big, cushiony, wobbly shoe, it can really mask that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Question number three. This is the last one. This was um, one of the ones. Actually, I don't know who it was from because it was one of our Q&A questions. Oh, yeah. I don't have the name, but I can go back and look it up after. Um, but they said, when bench pressing, what are the pros and cons of arching your back? This, um, is, a, <clears throat> this is a really good question. Very uh, common question. Yeah. We, anytime we post anything about bench press, we kind of brace ourselves for the <laughs> impending you're arching your back isn't that gonna blow your back up like, sort oh of my question. god that arch with like the monkey covering his eyes yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we're like no it's okay <laughs> um and you know for us there 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 are pros and cons of of this sort of style um, but we do think that a slight arch slight to moderate arch is going to be almost universally beneficial. Um, if you're going to be a power lifter, like you're going to want to really maximize that arch as much as possible. But we think a slight to moderate arch is still going to be um, almost universally beneficial uh, for most people. Do you want yeah. to go with the pros so, and cons? So the pros and cons we broke down, the pros were, number one, it helps to keep the shoulders down and back, which is the safest position for your shoulders in a bench press. Yeah. Um, that's probably the most important reason for that, that pretty much universally we like people to keep a slight arch because the arch is actually more of an after thought or a result of keeping the shoulders down and back. Yeah. It's not a forced arch, but it's actually what just naturally happens when you get your shoulders down and back. Yeah. I mean, your shoulder joint is going to be the joint that is loaded the most um, throughout the bench press. So we want to make sure that that takes priority and we put that in the, uh, the best possible uh, position to serve as a good foundation. Yeah. Um, but if we had just taken the back into account, then we'd sacrifice the shoulder joint. Right. Yeah. So that was number one. Number two, it helps with lat engagement, which is another reason to keep the shoulders down and back, not just to keep them safe, but also because you can involve your lats a lot more in the bench press, which is a muscle group that a lot of people don't think about with benching, but it actually contributes a lot once you get into a good position mm -hmm. and can make your bench a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, and then number three was it shortens the range of motion. And this was a very specific one. Good for uh, a good strategy for power lifters. Yeah. So power lifters, the, the, thing that they have to accomplish is lower the bar down to their chest and then press it back up. Yeah. And so the higher your chest is off the bench, the less uh, distance you have to travel to hit your chest and then press it back up. So this is a very, like we would say this is a pro for powerlifters, yeah. um, but not necessarily something that matters that much for general population. Yeah. I mean, there are powerlifters that literally like, they, I think they move their arms like three inches. Yeah. I mean, with crazy amounts of weight, but they're They've shortened the range of motion so much by developing so much mobility throughout their upper backs um, that it gets pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we basically just promote get your chest up, shoulders back and down, and whatever arch happens is is great, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, for the cons, we had two. Um, number one was it, it is that it is harder to keep your core engaged. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have a difficult time 
with an extended posture, still keeping their core engaged. And it is something that you really want to try to do as you're benching. Yeah, I think um, the, the big thing that we want to see for an arch during the bench press is we want to see an actual global arch. That means an arch from stemming from the upper back all the way to the lower back. When people tend to be more arched in just the lower back, that's really when it becomes a slightly more of an issue, I would yeah. say, right? When yeah. it's just purely localized at the lower back. Rather because than, that means all they're doing is just relaxing their abs, basically, exactly, and yeah. pushing their stomach up off yeah. the bench. So yeah. we like a big, uh, well, not big, but just moderate size arch that stems from upper back all the way to lower back and trying to keep the rib cage still down if possible. Right. Uh, we just don't want it to be so open and so flared that it makes it so that it's... Um, that their that their abs are just really relaxed, like Lauren just said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then number two is that it could cause discomfort if lower back pain is already an issue. And then with a little asterisk, we also put it's worth noting that because your spine is in an unloaded posture or position, it's unlikely that a global arch, like Jason was just talking about, will cause injury to the lower back. So what we're saying is if you already have an injury or pain or discomfort in your lower back, yes, arching your back in the bench press could exacerbate that Mm -hmm. or just continue to keep it in an uncomfortable position. Um, But most likely it's not going to cause lower back pain. Yeah, um, we have um, we have a lot of members either with um, slightly just shorter builds um, or people who have some history of back stuff. And uh, a lot of people's go to strategy is to actually put their feet on the bench. And something that we actually recommend instead is actually try to bring the floor up to you. And we do that by placing their feet on bumper plates or some sort of mats. And that way they can have a little bit less of an arch, but they can still firmly press their feet into the floor, which is really uh, important during the bench press because you want, again, just a much more solid foundation. Um, but yeah, we wouldn't recommend putting the feet up on a bench. Yeah. Um, they actually even do that. I didn't even realize they would do this, but at the powerlifting meet that Sarah and oh, I yeah. did, they, they gave Sarah a little, uh, little bumpers <laughs> like for a sliding, her feet. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. <laughs> Which is really nice because, I mean, it makes a huge difference if you're too short and your feet don't really root into the floor during a bench press. It's yeah, you lose so much harder. stability of your lower body. So, yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, if you're already sensitive in your lower back, you might want to keep it a little flatter. So just bring the floor up to you, like Jason was saying, so that you can keep your back flatter and you don't, you're not forced into an arch position while you push your feet into the floor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are, those are really valid questions. We get it because it looks so different from everything else we do. And we're always telling yeah. people, like even people at Achieve are like, wait, you want me to what? <laughs> because we're like, arch, let your back arch. And they're like, we just spent three, four, five months <laughs> trying not to arch my back and like everything else I do. Because yeah. <laughs> we spend so much time trying to teach people the ribs down position, like pelvis and rib cage connection and keeping everything tight. And then we get to the bench press and we're like, erase it all. <laughs> Lose that all. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we have to preface saying that this is the only really time that we actually recommend um, this sort of arched behavior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are the questions that we had for today. Yeah. It's a quicker episode. Yeah. A little bit quicker, but hopefully jam packed with great information. <laughs> so um, if you have any more questions for us, we would love to take them. You can send them to us on Instagram at Achieve Fitness Boston. Just shoot us a DM or comment on one of our um, posts and we can answer a question from there as well. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on iTunes, you can open up the podcast app on your phone, leave us a review there. That would be super, super awesome. We would be very grateful. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.